0: Hosting his presence, that we should have presence like that during worship. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I did not want that worship to end. Even though I've got a word that I really feel like I'm supposed to share. Sometimes there's that tension between what you, yeah. Just a word of knowledge came during worship about Crohn's disease. If you struggled with that in any form, would you just stand up right now wherever you are? And uh, a second word, um, I, I saw a ligament on an ankle. and I'm not sure if it was damaged or stretched or sprained, but there was a ligament on an ankle. If that's you, stand up right now. Okay, good. If you're near those, would you just reach out your hands and just touch them right now? Father, we just curse Crohn's disease in Jesus' name. We speak a healing to these bodies in the name of Jesus. We just say, absolutely no. These bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we will not allow these things to dictate and govern our lives. So we break the power of that. We speak to these ankles now in Jesus' name, the ligament on the ankle, and we speak to that ligament. We say, be whole in Jesus' name. Be strengthened in Jesus' name. We just declare total and complete healing into that now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Those of you, the crones, if you would text back in, the text line is going to be up here. After you eat lunch today, would you text back in and let us know changes in yourself? We just want to see that and check your, check your ankle out. We want to hear the testimony of that. So, we're beginning a season on uh, a month on living from His presence. And it's incredibly important. This is, I, I believe, is one of the crucial shifts for the body of Christ right now. The, the revival we're in, the revival that's growing across the U.S. right now is revival powered by people who have learned to host his presence. And this morning, I, I want to do something a little bit different. This is actually something I would teach to leaders, but I'm just treating you all as leaders this morning. And uh, it, it, it just, I want to talk about one of the primary hindrances to presence, and that's performance. It's very easy to let performance be what governs and leads our life instead of presence leading our life. And I wanna just walk through what that looks like. I've got way more material. I usually plan about three stops into a message I write, and they're kind of places I can end comfortably and kind of get out into the invitation. Well, this morning I have no stops, and I have an extra half page of notes that I don't normally have. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put some speed on here somehow. But anyway, just just kind of stay with me and go back, and well, the notes will be online. You'll get that. You'll get that little bit. Um, mm, Father, sure. Okay. By presence, we're we're referring to living our, living our lives fully hosting the presence of God. It begins with a surrender to Jesus' Lordship and it, it grows through our obedience to the Holy Spirit and communion with the Holy Spirit. So there's, an, there's a, just an interaction with the whole triune God when we learn to be a people of his presence. Um, we want to recognize the difference and, and this is everyone in here struggles with this. There's nobody exempt from struggling with this. So what my goal this morning is to help us, give us some keys to identify when we're living from presence and when we're living from, per- from performance. I find my life bouncing in and out of the two almost all the time. Okay, I, I have this list, and I almost brought it over this morning. It's a little spiral notebook, and it sits on the arm of my chair And every day I put onto that list the things that has to happen in the next day. And if not, not careful, that list becomes my master. And I'm filling the list instead of being in his presence. And I sit down to pray or I sit down to fellowship or sing down to read the word. And it seems like my eyes go to the list. And I just, oh my goodness, i got so much I have to get done. And and if you're not careful, the performance piece of our life takes precedence over the presence piece. And if we don't learn to get this intention, then we're going to always be a people subject to burnout, subject to overload. But if we can learn this tension, if we can get where we need to be, um, we're going to break through this. Just a couple things first about performance, uh, just to define it, is living Performance living is a taskmaster that drives us to achieve. Presence living is a relationship that empowers and equips us to overcome. The the two things operate alongside each other. And the the, the performance thing, it's a taskmaster. And you'll get to the end of the day and you'll look at your list and think, oh man, I did not get it all done. That's the taskmaster. Presence living, you get to the end of the day and you think, oh, I was obedient. That's the second part of this. Performance is li- living is law-based, dependent on our own, our own ability to get it right. Whereas performance living, presence living is grace-based, where we fully trust his ability to get it right. So where's your confidence? Is it on your ability to get it Right or is it on his grace? Where where do we live in that tension? If you live from his presence, there will always be enough grace for the next moment. My grace is sufficient for you. That's a blanket statement of every circumstance you'll ever go into in your life. His grace is always sufficient. Performance will never let you feel you've done enough. It'll always be a taskmaster, all you hold you to something. So only when we live from presence can we be the people that we're created to be, um, in the face of whatever we face. Presence will always sustain you, and always keep you there. Um, What I want to do this morning is I want to run through an example of David, and and Saul, the first two kings of Israel. These two guys are incredible pictures of this tension. Because Saul was a man that lived from performance, David was a man that lived from presence. And I just want to look at some of the characteristics of the way they lived their life. And we're just going to kind of blow through these. First, I want to look at some of the similarities, Um, David and Saul. Similarities, both received an anointing from Samuel. So they had a a specific call, prophetic call to ministry. It wasn't any difference in their call. They were both called. Um, Secondly, they served in their father's household. They were both called in the act of serving their fathers. They were, they were doing something with their life at the moment they were called. So they're, they're active people engaged in, in, in serving. Um, they're both called out of, out of obscurity. Neither of them had any, any recognition before this moment and suddenly they're called out of obscurity into this place of having to be and having to carry something. Um, they 're both anointed by God, so they 've got access to His presence. They both have equal access there 's no difference in the access of those two, these two kings. Um, they both struggled as fathers raising their children. They both had issues with, with kids and just had a hard time figuring out how you raise kids and be a father both. Um, they both sinned and faced the consequences of their sin um, they both operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I know this may be a strange word to use in, in Old Testament context, but literally the Spirit came on then, and they operated in what we would recognize as gifts of that Spirit, the power of the Spirit. They both operated in so that's So that's the similarities between these two. But now let's look at some of the effects of the lifestyle they lived. So David becomes a man after God's heart, and Saul becomes a man after people's praise. What's happening? That distinction between presence and performance is beginning to show itself in these lives. And if we're not careful, that performance-driven nature causes us to begin to turn and look at people for our affirmation. What do they think about what I'm saying? What do they think about what I'm doing? Rather than his presence in God, I might be am I obedient to you. I'm am I walking in obedience to the things you've given me to do. Um, you know, David's kingship is eternal through Jesus, while Saul is rejected. What got his kingship eternal? Presence. He's a man after God's heart, he's a man pursuing his heart. And that, that the idea of this kind of rule becomes the, the basis on which then Jesus being the son of David. What an awesome, what a privilege. What if we lived our life so that Jesus' name was son of? Put your name in there. <laughs> ah, yeah, mm, that one will get you in a little bit if you think about it. Um, David was benevolent. <laughs> Well, in similar circumstances, Paul is cruel, um, incredibly unforgiving. Um, David is forgiving to those that wronged him. Saul's unforgiving to those that he perceives wronged him. What's the difference? Presence and performance. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these pieces because I want to get to the heart of what I want to do this morning. But I just. I want you to see that these two things lead you down two different tracks. And if there are behaviors we find in our life that that mimic these performance sides, then we're missing presence, and we always need to default back to presence. Um, David is humble when he's confronted, but Saul responds to pride. Make me look good in front of the people. Um, You know, David is courageous in battle; Saul is afraid of failure. David's at peace with God, but Saul's demonized, separate from God. I mean, it eventually uh, goes to a witch to get direction because he's so separated from the presence of God. One of the things that intrigues me most about kind of these lives as you look through, and you'll get the notes and go through each one of these and actually take some time on them. One of the things that intrigues me the most about uh, these two is their response to responsibility, because presence and performance has a very different response to responsibility. And I I can often tell the the kind of heart position of a leader when they s- begin to step into responsibility, because the behavior in that moment describes where their motivation is. And this is particularly. Uh, classic and David and so on. So our response can be a good indi- indicator of performance living. Performance will always wait until we're sure that we succeed can succeed before we commit. Yeah. Performance living always waits to see. It. Well, if I can su- succeed at it, then I'm going to do it. But if I'm not sure I can succeed, then I'm not going to tackle it. Why? Because performance ties us to that goal of success. Whereas presence just doesn't care. Um, Presence taps into faith and believes that the impossible is normal. So Saul facing that can be very hesitant about whether he's to be king or not, hiding in the baggage. Whereas David, in the same kind of circumstance, comes in and runs after Goliath and kills him because he just doesn't care. He's not driven by success or failure. He's driven by this internal pursuit of the presence of God. And when, when we see that, when, when, we, when we catch that, we can begin to catch our eyes. If you're hesitant to step into something you're unsure about, check your heart. Get into the presence say, God, is this what you're calling me to do? Because it doesn't feel comfortable right now. I, I, I can take you so many times in my life when the hesitation was, I don't want to look bad. When at that moment is the moment God wants us to push in. I mean, this is why... This revival is powered by people of presence because people of presence don't mind walking up to a stranger and praying for them because they don't care. (laughs) Performance will never let you do that. Unless you're sure they're going to get healed, you won't do it. Unless you're sure they're going to receive you, you won't do it. We can put that down to I'm bashable or my personality. You can put it down to lots of things. I put it down to performance. Turn a smile at your neighbor. They need it about now. (laughs) We see early on in the lives of these two men that there was a very different value for the presence of God, um, the Ark of the Covenant had been uh, stolen by the Philistines before Saul came in, and the the Philistines had returned it on an ox cart, and it it was it was at the home of uh, a But you know, when Saul comes into kingship, he's very comfortable leaving the Ark. At Abinadab's house, his house had being blessed like crazy, and the tabernacle at that time was over at Nob, another place. It was actually Nob was a it was a city of priests, and the the tabernacle was there, and and Saul was very comfortable to operate at a distance from the presence. In Israel, the ark represented the presence of God, so he was quite happy to have government to have all of the things he did be separate from the ark and the tabernacle. In fact, toward the end of his life, when he's chasing down David, um, the, the priests at Nob tried to convince him that David wasn't a threat, and so he just killed all of them. And we end up in that kind of the end of Saul's life with, with the tabernacle being moved from Nob over to Gibeon. And that move was directly because Saul killed the priest. He, he destroyed any sense of religious voice into what he was doing as king. What's David's first response when he comes in as king? we got to get that ark, and we got to get it to Jerusalem. And you know he didn't do it perfectly, he messed up, got a few people killed along the way, but I mean, eventually he brings the ark right into the center of government. Guys, we need to hear this. Into the very center of every decision he made. He institutes 24-hour worship, he lives in the presence of God. I don't know if it's accurate, but in my mind, I see a lot of the Psalms being written and and I can see David wake up in the middle of the night, and and write down the words to a psalm, and then run down out of the out of his house over to the tent and hand it to the musician, say, "Hey, sing this." I mean, just that—that's just that—that that life of God was so in him that there was no separation between God's presence and hosting His presence and governing a nation. I believe God's wanting a shift in our nation. And I believe he's waking up the church to be a people of his presence so that we can invade this this nation with his presence and his power and his demonstration. I, I, I'm I am so encouraged. I mean I mean conference we, we we saw a deaf ear open for the first time at our ICLC conference. Amen. I I, I I don't know what you hear when you hear that, but to me, we just we're getting those incremental level increases of the release of His power and presence, and and as I I I see those things as the cloud the size of the man's hand, and if we can get that, then we can get that, and, and as you begin to see those incremental increases, um, Farley Andy Rudd prayed and uh, Sam had a deaf ear and Sam Matthew's deaf ear opened during conference so guys th- th- we, are, we are in this moment when we're just we're pushing into presence for the, for the purpose of seeing his power released into society around us a- and you won't see that from performance no you, yeah, I guess you won't <laughs> I just want to run through a list here for just a a few minutes. And and I want you to check your heart by each one of these that I share with you. And I just want to look at some of the ways that we right here in this room can measure presence and performance. Try to say that really fast. (laughs) I might need to drink a water before I start down this list. So presence, performance, performance is initiated by man, presence is initiated by God. So is the thing you're about to do initiated by you and you're asking God to bless what you're doing? Or is it initiated by Him? It's a good question. Performance, we're seeking the approval of man or it's approved of by man. Presence, it's approved of by God. There are many, many things that we do that subconsciously we think of how people will think. Somebody pointed out this weekend, and I I absolutely love it. Have you ever looked at the dictionary definition of weird? I encourage you to do it. The dictionary definition of weird is, it is supernatural. (laughs) Go look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Y'all who are afraid to be weird? Y'all who knock weird out of your vocabulary, I've heard probably several, at least three or four church leaders make this statement. Well, we want the spirit, but we don't even want any of the weird stuff. (laughs) How can you have a supernatural spirit and avoid weird? Weird. Presence, performance. Performance, we want to take anything out that might make us look bad. Presence, you just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> performance listens to people and conforms their wishes and desires to what people want. Presence listens to spirit and conforms to the image of Christ. Who you conform, what do you conform to? I, as Sal and I have pastored for 51 years now. Um, we actually took our first church just just over 51 years ago. And in 51 years, we have the pressure on us to conform to what a group of people wants us to be has been some of the The most incredible pressure that you have to stand against and stand against because people want you to be what people want you to be. But if you're not in presence, it's easy to slip to that and surrender to that. Performance operates from fear of man. Presence operates from fear of the Lord. Who are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? I remember at times I've been I've been in meetings with, with people. I'm just I'm hearing them saying things and doing things, and I just I've asked several times, "Aren't you afraid of God? Don't you fear the Lord? When you're sharing gossip about somebody else, don't you fear God?" Oh, I'm sorry, that got too real. Don't we fear God? Amen. When you don't forgive, don't you fear God? So we've got to be a people that live. The, the presence carries a fear of the Lord that is it's not it's not the same as fear. It it's a reverent releasing of our whole life to him so that our destiny I mean worship this morning guys that was awesome performance is driven by circumstances and prestige presence is led by the spirit to overcome challenges if you you have this feeling that you need a Title or position before you can do the work of God, then you're trapped in performance. But if you live from this life of the Spirit, you don't need title to do what you're called to do. You simply need to release that life of God that's in you. We're we're talking with the whole month, we want to talk on living from His presence. These are keys, these are things that help us shift. From performance living to presence living. P- performance is focused on self and meeting my own needs. It's easy, even in ministry, to focus on what we need instead of what he needs. Yeah. Presence, yeah, I gotta find myself in here. There we are, is focused on others and meeting their needs. So when, when you live in his presence, you're, you're, you're always thinking about how you can impact another person. We talked about the double portion anointing. That double portion was specifically given to care for others. It's not given for you. It's not given to, to build up your portfolio of effectiveness. The, the, it's given to you to pour into others. And the more you pour into others, the more you're going to receive but many of us are waiting to receive before we pour out what we have. Presence living conserves so that we'll have enough. Performance is gift-focused, focused focused on building a ministry. Presence-driven is fruit-focused, focused on building your character. What's the, what's the focus of how you live your life? Performance measures their life by success. Are we successful? Presence is, are we obedient? Wh- which one governs who you are? When you get to the end of the day and you feel like you failed because you didn't get your list done, you're living from performance. When you get to the end of the day and say, Lord, was I obedient? And you just get that affirmation, then you live fully satisfied. Doesn't matter how much you got done. Years ago, I had to deal with this one in me where every night, as I sit down in my chair and relax at the end of the evening, have I been obedient? To the best of my knowledge, I have. I'll sleep like a baby. Because it doesn't matter what didn't get done. What matters is were you obedient to him? Performance builds your own kingdom. Presence builds the kingdom of God. Are you concerned about getting your ministry built so that your name can be? Or are you concerned about the kingdom of God? That's a presence and performance issue. What 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 motivates us? What drives us? How do we live? Sometimes when we talk about presence, it can get it can get very ethereal and very kind of otherworldly, and we we don't know how to live in the natural with a mind. I mean, how do we do that? What I want to do this morning, I'm trying to help us see there are very practical things that dictate or that show us or the indicators of where's the focus. Foot? It doesn't mean that every time you, you, you think about success that you're being in the flesh. But it does mean if success has more weight in you than obedience, then you're probably on the wrong side of the scale. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Performance is subject to burnout. We have sat with so many leaders over the years who have burned out. And when you get down to the foundation of why they burned out, they were performance-driven, and they were trying to meet an expectation that they just simply could never quite live up to. I want to say to you without any hesitation, if you'll live from presence, you will never burn out. Burnout is unnecessary. Burnout is because we came out of the presence and got into performance. Think a little bit. I'm trying to make you think. Performance responds to correction with cover-up. To no change in behavior. Blaming somebody else. Well, it was really their fault. Whereas presence responds to correction with repentance, brokenness, humility, and real heart change. I, God, God, I, I want your heart. I want to do. I don't want to hurt anybody. I want not do that again. Um, performance focuses on doing, and and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute. Doing is not an evil thing, but if doing is our motivation we're going to get in trouble presence is focused on being so my identity is who, my identity is who I am in him it's not based on what I do super important distinction here and and, and we'll get to this in a minute but it's a really important presence living actually brings being and doing together so that everything we do comes out of being I actually find that people that live in his presence do more than people that live from doing. Because you're drawing a supernatural strength from being in his presence that actually allows you to achieve more than you had ever thought possible. And so it's, it's, when I bring some of these tensions, it's not like a right or it's not a one or the other. It, it, when we get in his presence, we can actually be and do. Because that's the way we're created. Performance avoids risk from fear of failure. <laughs> this is again, we're talking about that going out and praying for somebody. If you avoid risk, then you will always live without faith. 'Cause faith and risk are actually very similar in their responses. Now, I'm not gonna go bungee, bungee jumping. My confidence in those strands of rubber is not as high. So that's not the risk I'm talking about. I mean I'm I, I don't have any desire to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a parachute. I just I I, I just don't I don't need that risk for my life. But there is a risk of faith that God's calling on us right now to just walk into, it. and the more we risk, the more we're going to see things happen. We had a young man during this conference, and I'm very, so proud of him. This young man stood on the platform and he took incredible risk. And we saw the greatest breakthrough we've had in conference. But he risked, he put it all on the line. And he stood there and stood it out and saw the breakthrough. God would that the whole body of Christ would learn to do that. In performance, we want people to serve us. In presence, we live to serve serve other people. You find yourself pulling people to you to serve you, building a team so that you get served. You're on the wrong motive for building it. Amen. It doesn't work. Performance looks for title and position. Presence lives with humble submission. Performance is is essentially unteachable, and I don't have time to define what I mean by that. But presence is fully teachable. Oftentimes when we run up against an unteachableness in ourselves, it's actually because we're afraid that we're not performing. And it, it comes in that whole performance side. God wants to break that through. There are two keys that I want to give you this morning to try to start to begin to shift this in the, in the last 10 minutes here. The first key is identity. If we're going to live in his presence, we have got to see ourselves as sons and daughters. You cannot move from performance to presence unless you know who you are. But if you, if you can shift in our identity, um, if you can shift into knowing your son, and we, and we just taught on double portion anointing that that, that firstborn anointing is for the purpose of giving to others. It's for the purpose of caring for others. You don't get a double portion to to be more anointed or or to do better or to have more. We get get a double portion so we can give away more. It's it's the entire focus of Scripture double portion is that you're giving it for somebody else. When we understand that, we can begin to live in a position that kind of breaks that cycle in us. The way I see this manifest in David and Saul the most is in their security versus insecurity. When you operate in your identity, you're secure. When you're outside of your identity, you're insecure. And I spent a whole lot of my life insecure, so I learned to live that way really, really well and then the Holy Spirit does something, and you're not insecure anymore. So Saul's security is threatened by David's presence, popularity, and anointing. How do you feel when somebody else does it better than you? How do you feel? The older we get, there are more and more people doing it better than us. (laughs) And that either threatens you or excites you. Andy Rudd in conference did it better than I could have done it. We're getting ready to go to Tennessee and Michael Brewer and I are doing the speaking at this tent crusade, and, and guys, pray for us. It's We've had a word for several years that God was going to bring this idea of tent crusades back to the United States, and it, it seems so countercultural. cultural it, it just, it isn't our current culture. It, it just isn't, it, it, and I mean, we did one in Springfield 20 years ago, and six people came. Um, it just it, it's not in our current but, but there's this word from God that he's going to make a breakthrough and so our second year team's down there, they're praying, prepping and then Michael Brewer and I are going to be speaking Wednesday night through Saturday night and we're believing for miracles every night, he's going after deliverance and breakthrough and breaking chains I'm going after healing and miracles and we're just, we're just going to alternate nights how secure are you? pray with us that people will come, that God will break in, and that the weather holds off. I mean, it's when we started praying about doing a crusade in March, a tent crusade, open side tent, no heat in in March. Everybody thought we were stupid. But I just have this suspicion that we're going to come back with some testimonies from this week that will be absolutely extraordinary. So Saul's response to David is to chase him down and try to kill him. Um, Performance will never empower and release the next generation to function. Those of you that are in my generation and the next generation down from me, if we don't pour this into the next generation, if we don't let go of our need to be needed, our need to be viewed and pour this, we're, we're gonna miss it, we're gonna miss it, we're gonna miss it. Presence will always pour into the next generation what they need. Double portion anointing was always to preserve the generational legacy. So David's secure enough to raise up an army of men while he's hiding in a cave. I mean, if there's any moment... Bob had a word on the way to church today, Bob Bannock. I believe it's a word for us, and I think we need to deal with this right now before we go any further. There have been cycles in all of our lives where we just keep getting hit with stuff. And the stuff isn't necessarily bad stuff. Sally and I were scheduled, we bought the plane tickets to go to Tennessee and on Friday I called Michael and I said Michael I'm just not sure we can make it there's some stuff we got going on things we need to deal with and I just I'm just giving you a heads up we may decide just before to not come next week just because of the pile of list and over the weekend God began to ask me what was important Did you know when you preach something, you usually get challenged on that thing you preached on? So last night I called him up and said, yes, we are coming, no question about it. I got to church this morning, and Bob, on the way to church, was asking a question. I said, God, what is this thing? What is this thing? It feels like a distraction. It feels like we're being pulled all over the place. And he heard this word, he said, it's a spirit of diversion. And the moment he said it, I understood what we're facing. See, the problem with diversion is that diversion, you can be diverted by things that look right and feel right and are even necessary. But if those necessary things are diverting you from the purpose, then we've got to understand the difference and stand against that diversion. And I believe really across the body, and I'm going to speak to this body today, I believe there's a spirit of diversion at work. It's not division, it's diversion. And it's just pulling us with things that seem so, so, so important. As you get older, you tend to see more doctors than you want to see And I don't know if for Sal and I, we've been diverted by doctor's appointments. Do we need those appointments? Probably. I'd rather be healed. But if we're careful we let a diversion that we seems normal actually affect the way we live our lives. If you've been struggling with diversion in your life, stand up right now. just before I go any further, I feel like we're supposed to break this. Mm. Father, we repent of letting diversion dictate how we use our time, energy, resources. And we surrender right now to your Holy Spirit. Would you work in us in this moment so that it's only your word and your will that dictates what we do with our time, our energy, our resources. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender our resources to you. We surrender our time to you. Say, use us as you want to use us. And I take authority over a spirit of diversion And I break you in Jesus' name. I command you have no place in this body or in the body of Christ. We absolutely curse your distracting ways and we speak healing and wholeness over every family now. Father, where it's sickness that has caused this, we break that cycle now in Jesus' name. We refuse to be governed by things the enemy's doing. Father, we break that cycle over our lives. We break the disappointment, these diversions of cause, the distractions, the robbing of finance. We break those things now in Jesus' name. And we release the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to work in us in this moment. If you have your communion stuff near you, would you grab that right now? And we're just going to seal that with a kiss from heaven. If you don't have it, put your hand up and somebody will get that to you. Just keep your hand up and somebody you get it to Hey, there's a couple extras right there if you guys want to use them. I think they'll need, we need one down here. Richard right at the front, down on this side. And a uh, couple over there on the front. Just pull your bread off of that with me if you would. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> The enemy's contention against Jesus was, in all the temptations, I can get you there a shorter way, but it was a diversion. He had to go this way. So Father, we just thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you for the stripes in your back. We thank you for the healing that comes right now through this incredible work. Thank you that you took it all for us so that we can walk in freedom. So Father, I I believe as we take this today, I think some chronic long-term illnesses are gonna be broken today. First time I ever led a communion service in Springfield. Ruth Boyd, who lives just across the street was facing eye surgery the next day and as she took the bread her eyes were healed very first service we had in this not in this building that was another building but our first service in Springfield this released healing across the room if you've got a long term medical issue I just want you to right now by faith Lord everything we do is by faith And so we eat this in faith as part of your body. Do it now. Father, as we take this, I release healing across this room. The healing that came from the stripes on your back, I release it now in Jesus' name. If you're believing for healing, right this moment, hand up quickly. Father, across this room, we take this believing for breakthrough. Believing for release. In Jesus' name. Now, if you take the cup, this cup is a new covenant. This cup is what moves you from law to grace this cup is what moves you from performance to presence because this blood paid the price of performance because jesus performed perfectly (laughs) and so his perfect performance becomes your perfect performance As you drink this, let's move as a deliberate act of faith out of performance and into presence. Father, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for the new covenant. We thank you that the power of you have to fulfill the law was broken in your blood because you perfectly fulfilled it. And now we surrender ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. We surrender our lives to to the Holy Spirit, and we say, use us however you want to use us. We choose to live from your presence in Jesus' name. Let's drink it together. Ministry team, if you guys would come down. Boy, the last half of this was really good, too. <laughs> I'll have to get to that next time. <laughs> hmm. We're getting ready to close out, but I just, before we do, if, if you really there's a conviction on you this morning that you've been living your lives from performance rather than presence I want to invite you to come down and get prayer this morning if you're here and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus we have several guests with us this morning if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus I just want to encourage you right now if that's you would you just raise your hand I I want to pray with you right now I just feel like there's a person here that needs to do that. If that's you, just quickly hand up. I don't know everybody here, so I'm feeling safe. If you really need an encounter with the Lord Jesus, you want to give your life to him this morning, just real quickly hand up, real quickly, real quickly. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Ooh. So Father, right now, We just let performance go, and we choose to be a people of your presence in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come forward. If you're not coming forward, feel free to go get your kids, but uh, just let's see what happens.